Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. Today, we're in the heart of the artist podcast, and we have a very special guest. His name is Valente Rodriguez, and let me uh, tell you a little bit who he is. Valente was born in South Texas in 1964. His first acting job was feature film called Santa Salsa, uh, the motion picture, in January 1988. Since then, Valente has ap- appeared in numerous films and TV theater productions, films like Blood In, Blood Out, uh, Blood, in Blood Out, Mi Familia, Roosters, Erin Brockovich, Deep Blue Sea, Volcano, The Ugly Truth, It Is, complica- it is Complicated, Mike Fairland, USA, and uh, Instant. An Instant Family TV uh, shows, uh, we have Golden Girls, Mad About You, X-Files, ER. He was a regular in George Lopez show as er- uh, Ernie. I believe you guys have uh, seen him. In, he was in 120 episodes. And regular on the film, uh, uh, regular on the Fran Dresser show, Happy Divorce. His most recently rose was in the principal in high school musical, the series on uh, Jamie Foxx show that stop embarrassed me. He was performing numerous stages in LA and through the United States. He produced three films in the Rio Grande Valley, directing uh, directing on, uh, on one of them in 2010 and 2015. Graduated in Masters Theater in UTRGB. That's where I live. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Valente. It is my pleasure to have you here, finally. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, uh, looking forward to it. Valente, uh, we the worlds have changed since 2020, but I have a tons of questions that I wanted to ask you. When did you decide to become a professional actor and why? Um, I, I didn't... Um... I didn't, I was in acting in high school, but uh, mostly because I was overactive. I was one of those people that was overactive in class. You would call them the class clowns, I guess, or just the people that are loud. So I got to college um, and I didn't know I wanted to be an actor, but I, I knew I needed an education because I grew up very, very, very poor, really, really poor. I grew up a migrant farm worker. So we traveled all around the United States, had an outhouse, didn't have a telephone, so forth and so on. Very, very poor. So I, I took I don't remember the first thing I wanted to be, but I do remember the first thing I didn't want to be, and I didn't want to be that kind of poor, so I knew I had to go to college. And in college is really where I discovered that, hey, this uh, there's an outlet for this thing that I have, this, this expression thing. And I think it comes to us in a lot of different forms. For me, it came in acting. For others, it comes in music. For others, it comes in dance. For others, it comes in painting. For others, it comes in writing. Basically, it's creating all of those forms are we are creating something. Um, and so that's where I uh, where I first gave it thought that I could make a living out of doing this thing that I'm doing, whatever it is, this thing is. I really didn't it didn't even have a form in my head yet about what am I going to do with it? So the first thing I thought was, 
Well, uh, with a college degree, I can teach. I can teach theater somewhere. Uh, and, and I love theater and I love doing it and I would do it for free. And I was doing it for free. We're all doing it for free. All artists do it for free, especially at the very beginning. We're all doing uh, uh, works for the community or at the church or at the local theater or whatever. And so that's where I went. I thought, okay, I'll get a degree and then I'll, and then I'll see if I can teach uh, uh, somewhere. Um, I knew I could because my enthusiasm and even now, I think I, I still want to. And this is one of the reasons I come back and do this kind of stuff is because I want to share my experience and, I, and, and in a form teach. Um, and so then when I was about to graduate, I thought to my and uh, I had a lot of really good teachers, Marion Monta being one of them. She actually passed away last year, who affected many, 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 many people's lives. And she affected my life in that. um she was my mentor and she uh, moved me through things that I had no, was no, not familiar with. But at the end, I had a conversation with her and she said to me, well, you know what? You're in the best place right now of your whole life. Right now, you're, you're, you're about to graduate. You're, you're, you're educated. You, 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 you know what you want to do. You're young. You have very little commitments. Um, have you ever get considered trying it, trying to see if you could become a professional at it? And I had thought that. Um, but I think I needed somebody else to voice it to me, to give me the confidence to do it. Um, and so, and that's how it went. And I got the confidence to do it. And I thought, okay, well, New York, LA, New York, LA, LA was, I had been to New York once and it was just overwhelming for me. The tall buildings and all that come I'm from Elsa, you know, you know, Elsa, it's a population, it's little, it's like 4,000. It's less than a population of one building in New York. One building has more people than the whole time, my whole time. So I went to L.A. and and things started going well. The, now, the first thing I did, which which I was very conscious of, was I got to town and I got a whole bunch of jobs, not as an actor. I had nothing to do with acting, but I knew I had to pay bills because I wanted to be in town for a while. And so uh, and then and that's what I mean when I say we do it for free all, all the time. We. We work during the day so we can come home and write. We work during the day so we can come home and rehearse. We work during the day so we can come home and do all these other things that we do. And hopefully, hopefully, the world acknowledges us in such a way that we can start to make a living at it. And, um, and there, 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 and, and it can be done. It can be done. Um, but it's, it's very difficult. And I tell people, don't go into it because you think you're going to make a lot of money. That's not it. If that's the case, go find that other thing that's going to make you a lot of money. Find that happiness somewhere else. And that's fine. That's cool. If you found, if you know that that's what makes you happy, that's great. If you found the thing that makes you happy, go chase it, right? But if this is the thing that makes you happy, then this is the thing you have to do. And you're going to do it no matter what. You're going to work at McDonald's to do it. You're going to work at Best Buy to do it. You're going to do something else to do it. Uh, and then hopefully one day you'll you'll have spent enough hours and done enough and be true enough to the voices that you hear that are causing you to create these things that you will create something that is completely unique and honest and people love that people love unique and honest and and I I totally agree with you uh, well my my ex-husband he was an actor Mm-hmm. And that's why he, actually we ended in Los Angeles. That's how we met him, in fact, in person over there. Oh. And it was tough. It was, 
it was a lot of struggle what I, I saw him. I'm a, I'm a painter, so I had it easier. <laughs> I exhibited everywhere. I did actually did many connections, and I, I did great as, as an artist, as a painter. But I saw his struggle because it is Los Angeles. It is very, very, very expensive, and more when you're you're having a family. It's, or you work or you eat, or you pay rent, or, or you go and do freebies. Mm-hmm. It's easy over here where we are in the Rio Grande Valley because the, it's one of the cheapest places in all the United States. Mm-hmm. So it was easier over here that he can go and do something freebies because, yes, when you're starting the career, it's too many freebies. Even if you're good or even if you're passionate, you still have to pay rent and, and roof and so forth. And you make a great choice when you were not having family. <laughs> so that was make it easy. You can sleep in the couch of someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so much easier to put yourself through the struggle that you need to put yourself through. It's another thing when you have a child or you have a spouse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I can be hungry. But if I see my kid be hungry, that's a whole other thing. I need to stop what it is I'm doing because I've made a commitment to this child. And so, you know, and but 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 that's life. That's what happens to us as life. And as an artist, what we must realize is that there is where our art is. There is where our, our art lives in our life. And so if we're true artists, we will look inside ourselves and see, okay, well, so what is the struggle that I'm going through right now? And how can I make this creative? Yes. I don't know that it's going to sell. I don't know that it's going to whatever. But how can I make this creative? So that I can feel that I have some kind of control over this thing that's happening to me day in and day out, day in and day out. Can you um, tell us a little bit of the struggles that you pass? Because I, I have met obviously many actors, and and I and I used to live with a filmmaker that was my second, third husband, and my last husband, the fourth one, it was the actor. Right. And I saw them struggling, and in, in in the film industry, what was your struggles? Well, uh, uh, so so I, as, when I first got to town, I got I got four jobs. I was working uh, as a telemarketer, which is the worst job you can ever have. Never be a telemarketer. Go work at McDonald's before you be a telemarketer. Because I was a telemarketer, I was working in a video store, I was working construction, and I was working as a messenger. So I had four jobs to pay bills, to stay in town, so that I could do this other thing. And so four jobs, guys. So I was working all the time because. I had just gone to town and I knew that the first six months are extremely important. And if you don't live past the first six months, you don't find a way how to work this town, you're going to have to go back home because you're out of money. And so uh, initially that was the first struggle. Now, then the second struggle is, okay, I paid bills. Now what? I'm here in LA. I don't know anybody. I'm from South Texas. I don't have any connections at all. What do I do now? How do I get into the industry? And so that's also part of your job as an actor. I have young actors ask me that all the time. What it is? What is it that I do? And what I tell them is, I'll tell them what to do. But what I also tell them is, part of your job as an actor is to figure that out. Because what that does is it empowers you. Because I figured it out. And I took this job upon myself. And I, you know, I figured out what it is to do. So then you do that. And that struggle is, specifically is, you walk into an agent's office. You don't have a union card. You're, you're a complete amateur. You walk into an agent's office. They will say, are you, do you have a card? Are you a member of the union? When you have a, when you become a member of the union, they give you a card and you say no. And so then you ask, how do I get a card? And well, you get a, you get a job. 
So how do I get a job? I get an agent. So how do I get an agent? I get a card. So how do I get a card? I get a job. So, so it's a vicious catch-22. There are specific ways. One, you can apprentice a certain time. Two, they can taft hardly you. Three, there used to be a backdoor through after. All those things, if you really want to be an actor, you got to go figure out. Much easier now with the internet than when I got to town 30 years ago. It was much harder to figure out. So that struggle as well. Now then, okay, finally I get an agent. And finally I start going out and going into, uh, and the way I got an agent is <clears throat> I had a VHS copy of theater stuff I'd done at Pan Am that Dr. Holly had put together with me, for me. <clears throat> I, I got an, an interview with an agent who said, I can't represent you, but come in and let's talk for about five minutes. I'll answer some questions you might have. I said, fine. I went in there, talked with her five minutes. I was about to leave. I noticed she had a videotape recorder. I said, Terry, her name was Terry Lickman. I said, Terry, this is stuff that I just did in theater in, in, in college. Could you do me a really big favor? Look at it. And if I really... Please tell me so I can just put an end to it and go home. She laughed at that. The very next morning, she called me and said, I looked at your stuff and uh, I'm going to represent you. I'm not going to sign you. I'm going to represent you temporarily. I'm going to send you out on a couple of things. See how you do. Okay, that puts a whole bunch of more pressure on you because now you know you got one or two auditions to be, be good or else your agent is going to not even whatever. So fortunately, I got a job very Soon after that. But then the next struggle, okay, I've paid my bills. Okay, now I got my agent and I'm kind of sort of in the industry. I'm getting auditions and stuff. But the next struggle is, so I'm a Latino in Los Angeles. Mm. And the way the town is structured, the way all of America is structured, really the whole freaking world is structured is, there's a hierarchy in terms of the color of your skin. If you guys don't know this out there, let me tell you, there's a hierarchy out there in the world according to the color of your skin. That question I was going to ask you exactly because I I noticed I was married to a Garcia. Yes. Even if he didn't look uh, Mexican, he's still Garcia. That's I'm Rodriguez. I could be Italian. I could be Serbian, perhaps. I could be Jewish, even almost. You know, but I'm Rodriguez. And there's here's the story. There is a typecast. Yes, completely. Uh, there's typecast for completely. For there's complete typecast, and there's two things to think about in 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 their stereotype and typecasting is. One is, if they can't, if they can't figure out where you go, you're not going to get cast because you're not going to get called unless your talent is so amazing that you can break through some of that. And usually the people that are doing that are the people that are already stars that are already, you know, the Tom Cruises of the world. Okay. He's going to play a 90 year old man, whatever. He's going to get that opportunity. You and I wouldn't get that opportunity, right? As a matter of fact, I've walked into auditions, not so much anymore, because now I got 30 years of work and they know kind of sort of who I am, but not really. I've walked into, I used to walk into auditions where I had two headshots, one with my name on it and one without my name on it. And so they'd get the one without my name on it and they'd call me in. And then I'd show up to the actual audition and they see my name and they go, oh, I'm sorry, this is, um, yeah, you can't audition for this. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Even in the yeah, it, it is funny though. It is, but in the in the uh, they have this thing they send out every day, the parts that are open. In that in that breakdown, it'll say, "Submit all ethnicities," which means 
these are the parts that the brown people can audition for. The other parts, unless there's a specific Gonzalez or Rodriguez, you know, on in the part, we don't get the uh, we don't get the chance to audition for those. All other ethnicities don't get to audition for those particular parts, right? So then there, that's that struggle in in that particular struggle. Now, I can tell you about the first three and a half years where I don't think I had anything other than beans and rice to eat. And I had five roommates and I was sleeping on the couch. I slept on the couch for the first two years. Um, I, believe, and I, was, I believe I saw you in the Bronson's house where there were about 15 actors or yes. actors living in there. And many of them, they were in a couch. Yes. Sharing a house, sharing a house and, and, and having a great time, having yeah. a great time. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the upside is you're young, you're in a new place, you're doing what you think you want to do and you're having a great time. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's all about. Finding the thing you want to do and hopefully being successful and being around creative people. And to when you're around creative people, you have a good time. To clarify, when I, I met Palente in the Brownstone's house, he was not living there. We just were busy. <laughs> no. Friends, there were just 15 people, 20 people that were living there. Yeah. They were all actors, but we were just visiting. <laughs> yeah. the, the, and the kids from the Bronson house, I call them kids, but now they're 30 years old, 40 almost. Yeah. Este, because uh, a lot of them were part of the original crew that I had put together in Texas when I did those films that, that, that you mentioned earlier. Uh, and so, and those, that's one of the stuff that I'm actually the most, the, the proudest of to, 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 to serve as some sort of conduit for these guys who, and girls as well, women as well, who had ideas that were kind of like me kind of thinking about it, but had never uh, thought that it could be real until somebody else uh, mentioned it to me or, or I saw the example in someone else. The validation is very important, I believe, for all the artists, not only actors, painters, musicians, mm -hmm. dancers, etc. The validation is very important because something that I notice in the majority of the, the art, artists in general, they, they are very insecure. They are very insecure and they need that validation from galleries or from places that are going to be uh, hiring them. It can be uh, venues for the musicians or, I don't know, film studios or professors because mm -hmm. they are very insecure. That's something they have in common. We have in common, all the, all the artists in, in general. We are, we, are very we are very insecure. And that's just one of the little things that we have. We got a whole bunch of other things, which is the weird thing about it because it, 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 it seems to attract dysfunctional people. But we're not dysfunctional. It's not that we're dysfunctional. It's that we see the world in a little bit different way, yes. which allows us then to have the courage to create. Because when you have the courage to create, what ends up happening is you're lifting up something to the world and you're, and you're choosing to, sh to show it to them. A lot of us have things we want to say, but not a lot of us say them. And so... As an artist, we got to have that courage to be able to do that, to, to, to take something of your heart and show it to the world. Something I do notice between artists, and because we're talking about insecurities, is the ego. When finally they put their ego on, it's like, I'm going to believe in myself and everybody is lesser than me. That's, that's a, a, that becomes also a, a problem with, not, I'm not saying everybody, you're very humble and 
you're always very, very approachable. But I'm not, I can't, we can say about this of all the actors or all the painters or all the musicians. And that's just showing actually the insecurity, but that's the barrier, the protection that they are putting on because they're as insecure as all the actors or all the writers or all the musicians or painters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on some occasions, even more insecure than those other people. And so that's why you got to put, they put up this very, very hard exterior, this very, very hard wall. The other thing that ends up happening is uh, acting is a collaborative thing, whereas painting, not so much, nor is writing because you can do it completely by yourself, right? But in acting, you need to work with other people. And sometimes when you have these very, very strong people working together, then um, things happen, sparks fly, which is entertaining, but... uh, (laughs) Sometimes you get the, the bad reputations forming there because I'm fighting for something that I believe in the script and you're fighting too. And we start back together and that's what the audience sees, right? But what they don't see is, first off, you and I have known each other for 10 years. Second off, you and I are going to know each other for the next 10 years. And tomorrow you and I are going to be fine drinking beer somewhere in a bar, right? Right now, though, we're having a massive argument about this one part that I feel one way about and you feel the other. And because we're strong artists... It looks like we're fighting. And so that's what gets out into the mainstream and, whoa, these guys are blah, 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 blah. When all it was is people being genuinely passionate about the things that, that they do. I right? Ob- I observe that so many times. And I always, all the time, I used to tell my, my ex, like, I'm so glad I'm a painter. <laughs> and then I could not deal with this. And I, I did try it with a, a play that I participated over here. And I was like, oh, my God, I believe this is my last one. I am so used to, to not dealing with so much drama, <laughs> so much egos, and it has to be my way. And that is so common between artists in general. And I'm glad I am a painter. <laughs> you know, we ha- and we have to. We ha- it has to be there. The yeah. ego has to be there. I mean, that's yeah. what that, the little voice that, Ed, you know, eventually stands up and talks and says, it's this way, it's that way. Because... Um, we- because most of the end, you have to project yourself with the public. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you believe who you are and, and you truly believe the part of the role you're, you're doing. And if you don't believe enough in that, it's going to be showing up mm-hmm. at the end. So, yeah, the ego is, it is important. But at the same time, how do you do to control your ego enough to still be humble? Because you, you don't have that ego that you're not approachable. You're very approachable since I always met you. You are always being very approachable. You don't have that ego, but you still believe in yourself. I've seen you in movies, and I have seen you also in with George Lopez and so forth. And you, you still keep that cool, you know. I, you know, I, in, for me, it goes back how it started, and and when I first got to Pan Am in 1982, and I started. I graduated high school on Friday and I started college Monday. So I had the, that weekend off and I started college Monday and then I went straight through fall, summer, 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 spring, all, all the way through. Didn't take a break for, for five years, actually. And in those five years, I was in every single play that I could be in, in at Pan Am and at the community theater and at this other place and the dinner theater and the children's theater. And that, my whole life was that. I had no other life. I was like this. Now, yeah, I went to party. I was in college. Of course, I went to parties. Of course, I had a girlfriend. Of course, I had these things. But 
theater always came first. Always, 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 always. There was no question about anything. If there was a rehearsal, I was going to be at that rehearsal. And that's how much I loved it. And that's why, that's how I knew that this is what I was meant to do. Because I would rather be doing this than any other, than any other thing, right? And so by the end of those five years, I had done close to a hundred shows. And so when I got to LA, I never doubted that somebody could hand me a script and I could read this script and I could know and interpret it and I could know what it was about because that's how well I had studied, right? So it wasn't a question of, do I know how to do the work? The question for me was always, am I going to be good enough? Because you can know how to do the work. You can know what red is and what blue is and what green is, but try and put them together and to make something, that's a whole other thing, right? So you can know the work, but to actually do the work, was I going to be good enough? That was my question. <clears throat> and very soon into my life in LA, after three, certainly after three or four years, I could, I could look around and say, okay, yeah, I can do this. I'm not as good as, as, as I, as I, as I want to be yet because I'm still growing. You know, I was still in my twenties and who knows what opportunities are going to come my way. Um, but I had, uh, uh, associated with myself, myself with the Latino theater lab. So, and that was a theater group that met, uh, pretty much every day. And we had, uh, and it's still here. And actually I'm going to, I'm trying to hook back up with them, uh, next year. Uh, they're still here in Los Angeles. Um, and so I had hooked myself up with the people who, if I needed more training, here's where I was going to find it. These are the people that were better than I was that I could learn things from. And so being confident in knowing what it is I could do, that's what gives me the, the, the ego. The humbleness comes from understanding that as good as I think my, as my ego thinks I am, there are other people out there that are just as good. And some of those people are even better. So if I want to be that, if I want to, if I want to move to the end of my journey in a good way, I need to be open and learning. And, and, and I cannot be open and I cannot be learning without being open. And if I'm not approachable, if I can't make connections, individual connections and, and connections with the audience, then I've lost that piece of me that's going to, that's my learning component. And then, you know, that's it. You stop learning. That's it. You, you stagnate. And so now you're happy with where you are right now. Great. Great to stagnate, but not as an artist. You want to keep going. And that's the other beautiful thing about it. You can create forever. It's not like, oh, you know, uh, 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 Troy Aikman, you're, you're 37 years old. You got to quit the thing you love. You know, it's not, nobody's going to come tell you, you got to stop. Well, they might tell you, you got to stop, but you don't have to stop, right? You can keep yeah. doing what you're doing. And that's the beautiful thing. And we do. And, and, and the beautiful thing about the Latino culture is we come from a place where We've been doing this, we've been doing this for generations, for forever, forever. It's just that now we have an opportunity to be professionals at it. We were telling stories around campfires forever. We we're painting pictures on walls forever. We've been doing dances forever. We've been performing forever. 
you know, all the all the parties, all the pachangas in the Rio Grande Valley, that somebody pulls out an accordion, somebody pulls out a guitar, people start singing, people start telling stories. It's in our nature. It's who it is that we are. And I so know. it's a beautiful thing that some of us can do it and actually make make a living at it and actually get paid. Uh, because here's the deal. Th- there are some extremely, extremely um, that should be heard, um, that will contribute to, to, to all of us, uh, in very, very loving ways. Um, I don't know who, who or what those voices are, but I know they're there because I know that I was there. And so I came from somewhere and, and there's other, these other kids coming as well. And like those kids at, on, on, at South Bronson, I know that Ali's working Westworld now. And that's amazing. You know, that's, that's really, really amazing to think that you come from a little bitty place. People used to call it the, you know, the, the back end of the United States, you know, the butt of the United States. But you know what? This place in all the United States to live. <laughs> the other day, someone asked me something like that. And why you exhibit all around the world and why you're here in McCann? And like, well, it's the cheapest place to live. That's why I live here for now. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing about that I find about the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and if I were a writer or a painter, I would still be there because it's completely unique, completely unique of, of any other place. And now not nearly as much in the last 10, 15 years. But when I was growing up there before the Internet and we only had two channels on the TV and there was 200 miles from San Antonio to Texas and you couldn't get there at sometimes because it was flooded or whatever. We truly felt like a little Noah's Ark floating out there in the middle of nowhere. We were still Americans, but we're really Mexican. But no, we're Americans, right? <laughs> Going over to Mexico more than we came over to the United States. We go to the dentist. We go to the barber. We go to all of that over there. But because of that, it's acted as a little incubator for stories and for images. <laughs> and that that is, in terms of being a writer, though that kind of unique place that kind of and the stories that happen there, those are the stories that are the truest and the most unique and the ones that are going to be, for me, um, the best, the best of stories. Uh, and so that opportunity is still there, I believe. Um, but it's getting it's getting diluted with Internet and all this other kind of stuff coming into that that world. I wanted to ask you, have you uh, have you acted in, in outside United States? Well, um I mean, yes, I I just got back from Cancun about a month, uh, maybe three weeks ago, doing a show called, uh, it's a reboot of a show that used to be called Brothers Garcia. Now it's going to be called The Garcias. And uh, it's them, uh, it's, so Brothers Garcia was three, three brothers and a, and a young, and a, and a sister. Now these four characters are 20 years later and it's their adult lives. But so I was just there in Cancun. Monday? The Los Hermanos Garcia, Los Tres Garcia, you're talking about? The mm-hmm. movie of the Pedro Infante? Oh, no, 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 no. This was a TV series uh, done um, 2003, I think. 2003, 2003, four and five. Uh, and then it was canceled. Uh, it was produced by a guy named Jeff Valdez, who's got a lot of other stuff. A, a, a really big time producer who's done a lot of Latino stuff. A uh, really, really cool guy. Really, really uh, neat, neat, neat individual. Um, and so I've done that. Um, 
back at the beginning when I was doing a lot of theater, we d- I did a tour with the, the Mark Taper Forum, and we went to uh, Russia. We we performed in in Moscow and in Rostov, and so I, I've done that. But um, other than those two places, no, I've, I've, I haven't uh, I haven't gone uh, and done performances uh, in other places. How is different uh, the acting gigs uh, outside the United States and in the United States? Like now well, in Russia, you did in anything. Russia, but this was a long time ago, so it might be a little different. But the cool thing about Russia was it was a, it was a company. It had a company, and so the company had a whole building, and the building had the theaters on top of the of the the dormitories at the very very top. And then in the you know the little further down it had like a laundromat and 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 workout place and then further down it had a market and then at the very bottom it had the theaters and then rehearsal spaces and everything and if you qualified for this program you went and lived there and then were an artist and you could be you could paint you could sing you could do all kinds of other things but then everything was paid for and so so you never had to think about once you qualified You never had to think about how am I going to pay bills? No, I'm I'm an actor, I'm, you know, or whatever it is. I'm in this place. I'm, and so <clears throat> that's a big difference between what they were and, and what we were. Now, I also went to go see other other uh, performance uh, pieces when I was there and talk to other people uh, in in theater companies and, and acting companies, and their dedication to the work for work's sake seem to be at a higher level than our dedication to the work for work's sake. Um, at the same time, though, they were trapped in their, what it is that we're going to do. I'm going to be a Shakespearean actor. And that's all you were going to be. You're going to be a Shakespearean actor. You weren't going to be doing sitcom, you know, comedy sitcom, you know, especially if you're going to be a Shakespearean You know, you're a Shakespearean actor. You're not doing sitcom. Are you kidding me? You, you're not going to lower yourself to that. That's so, boring. Well, totally to me. Yes, of course. But but that's there. You know, it's like it's like I'm ballet. I'm ballet. I don't do modern. I don't do jazz. I'm ballet. Right. A specific thing, um, which is that is worse typecasting over there than actually. <laughs> You know, I see it like a typecast. You're a ballet or you're a classical. You can be a, a comedy, but that's for the rest of your life. Oh my god! Yeah, oh. yeah. See, that's the thing. Um, and so, so, uh, and 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 generally, that that's it's not always like that. But that's generally the Eastern and the Western philosophy, right? The Eastern philosophy is more of a, I'm going to more classical trained, and the Western philosophy is. No, you know, kind of seat of the pants. Let's throw blue on there. Let's see what happens. I don't know. You know, let, let's find a way. Let's, you know, throw energy at it and see what happens. And then we'll go from there. We'll, we're not worried about creating chaos. We actually like chaos. We want to ride chaos and see where that, that wave of chaos takes us because it could open up a door. It'll probably slam us into the, into the sand, right? And we'll go, okay, that didn't work. But maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it'll create something. And so that's why I think the two different, the Eastern thought is one way and the Western thought is another. And it's funny because sometimes I have these discussions with fellow actors or fellow artists and they're like, yeah, man. I'm like, 
a lot of people, when students are, are, are listening in, they're like, I, you know, why do you have those thoughts? Why, why, why aren't you just thinking, you know, uh, how does my hair look good in this part? You know, if you're an actor, why aren't you just thinking, you know, oh, do I need to cry here or do I need to? But the whole point of it is that it's a life choice. And once you've made the life choice, then you're going to be intrinsically curious about almost everything. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, you could end up wasting a day or two or three or a week thinking about that one thought that, that stuck in your head over and over and over and over and over and over. But you know what? So what? There's a lot of studies these days that say we need downtime. We need that sort of time. We need our brain needs that sort of time. Yeah. Um, I remember when I participated in this play of Jerma. Mm -hmm. uh, it was completely against my who I am. Uh, very um, society, very machist, and I was one of the horrible sisters, and so on and so. Mm -hmm. And it was like I, I. It was my first time acting, and it was like, why I say yes? Like this is so horrible. This is I have to be the mean one <laughs> when I go so completely. And I had a. I was like, oh my God, I understand that I say yes, first of all. And second of all, I have to understand, I have to do this role, even it goes against who I am. Mm -hmm. And I have to understand actually the character of being the horrible woman in a macho society that I have to be against someone that goes completely against totally my personality and my way of thinking or being. And, uh, and it was, I did it and it was, but it was that, that party was like, oh my God, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I have to do it because I say yes. And I was like, oh gosh, it's like, I, that's when I understood you guys more. But of course, it, I don't paint landscapes usually. But if someone asked me for a landscape, I just charge more for a landscape because I hate to do it. I'm, but I'm good at painter. But it's very different that I... Uh, Painting a landscape is not going to get me angry. <laughs> right. Having that role of the sister-in-law in, uh, sister in Germa, it was making me angry every day when I was doing it. And with myself, because I was needing to be the, the mean one. Right. So I bet for you guys, like I've seen roles in other actors that I know they're not gay and they, and they have to do a role of gay and they have to be doing kissing or doing whatever scene that is completely against themselves. They might be even homophobics and they have to play that role if they want the job. So I believe that part is very hard for the actor that I, I in my little experience that I have as a uh, doing participating in a play. Right. Right. And, 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 and the crazy thing is that it's okay. So um, playwrights don't write boring stuff. Every single thing, every play that's been written is about something that happened, you know, tragic thing or some, you know, something like that, right? So if I'm in the play and the, the thing that happens is my brother dies, right? And then for the next hour and a half, it's the play about what happened when my brother died, right? Okay, so every single night, I have to come to the theater and I have to pretend that my brother just died for an hour and a half, day in and day out. Twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday. Normal people don't do that. Normal people don't 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 
pretend their brother or their mother just died or their baby just died or I just got AIDS or whatever the hell the, the play is about, right? Normal people don't do that, right? And so the, 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 the more you put yourself in these places, and some would say that the better actor you are, the more you put yourself in these places, well, you can see why sometimes there are people who commit suicide, you know, because they, they, they put themselves in these places that are so hurtful and to, to try and, or they sing these songs that are so truthful and full of pain. And they're asked to sing them every single night over and over and over and over at a particular point, your soul, your body's got to come, got to get run down by these things. You know, you know, the old saying about you say a lie, uh, enough and it becomes the truth you know you play a part long enough and it becomes you wonder why some people become depressed well they're you know they're playing all these depressive parts all the time right and so that's just one of the other struggles we were talking earlier about the struggles of an actor that's one of the other struggles is say you become a very successful actor and you do a whole bunch of parts right and you go from one part to another part to another part to another part and then at the end of the day, 30 years later, you're asking yourself, who am I? Am I the dude in Blood In, Blood Out? Or am I the dude in Aaron Brockovich? Or am I Ernie from George Lopez? Or am I Manny from Dad Stop Embarrassing Me, right? Who, who actually am I? Which is one of the important things to do when you get to Los Angeles or any other place that you go to or as an artist, period, is to know that, to know who it is that you are, you are, you the individual. And I think that the way you get to know that is by um, by your by what it is that you create. What are the things that draw you? I have a lot of times a lot of young uh, young students come to me and say, "I want to be an actor. How do I do it?" And and I and they're you know they're eighteen maybe. And I say, "Okay, have you ever acted before? No. Okay, do you uh, do you sing in the shower? No. Okay, uh, did you do the Christmas play? No." Uh, then what makes you think you want to be an actor, you know? And so when somebody comes to me and says, I want to be an artist, um, a lot of times, the majority of the time, those people that come to me don't, don't really want to be. The people that want to be creators, they're already creating. They're already on their way. Now, there, there'll be some people that come to me and that'll say, I'm already doing this. How is it that I can get into the union? Or I'm already doing this. Who was, who would read my script? Who do you think that would read my script? That's completely different than saying, yes. I want to be, and you've never done anything at all. And so then what I say to these people is, find what it is you love to do every day, and then find how it is you can make money at that. And continuity, not because I participate in two plays that makes me an actress. Mm -hmm. No, it was, I just experienced that, but I am a painter. Yeah. Two plays doesn't make me anything. Yeah, I, but, but, I put many hours on it and I participate, I don't know, in 40, 50. Okay, then I can call myself a Chris, but... Right. But I, the cool thing about... Uh, the cool thing about being an artist, though, is that all of these other experiences will feed what it is, the main thing that you do. Will in one way or another, at some point, somehow, because the brain is like that, especially the creative brain. It puts little things here and little things there and little things over here and little. And before you know it, one night you'll be rifling through your head and you'll go, oh, oh, you know what? If I put this together with this and this together with this and this together, wow, okay. 
And then you're up till seven in the morning trying to, you know, paint or trying to write or trying to whatever it is that you do. But we never lose anything. And one of the things I say to young actors is be as whole, as rounded as you can. Be as whole, uh, if, uh, learn how to play uh, an instrument, uh, speak in a, a different language, read poetry, go to museums, you know, uh, uh, go to art galleries. Do all of these kinds of things. Do as many things as you can, because all of those things will round you out as a person. And that'll inform you as who you are. And then once you've got that, then it's that that'll be your anchor. You can you could be anchored to that. For me, it was family. And and certainly having a child immediately puts you in in, in fatherhood or motherhood. You know exactly who you are. There's, there's no denying that. And you change when you have a, a kid. Oh yeah, completely change. And talking about that, I know I well my observations in the 2020 when the pandemic started, the life of an um, artist in general, all around the world, actually changed. Mm -hmm. People do not understand how drastically the job that we had, the security income that we had, in a way, it changed it. Yeah. So how did it affect you in your position the 2020 in the pandemic? When we were I was and so forth. I was very, I was, I was very, uh, uh, business wise, I was very, very fortunate because I booked a job in March 2020, worked one week, and then they put us on hiatus for six months. But it was with Netflix, and Netflix had uh, a uh, incentive, or not an incentive, but a, a, a stipend program. And so I got some money for that. And then we came back in September or something like that and, and was able to finish that job. So I was able to work and, and get paid while most people were not working at all. Now, it was, it was really, really hard because everybody, we did the whole PPE and we did the testing. We did all of that kind of stuff. People were wearing masks and, and, and face shields and gloves. And I had, we were wearing watches that would beep when, and buzz when we got too close to each other. And it's the, it's the worst way to work in terms of. I'm in the medium where I got to see your face because I got to see the lines that you're telling me and I got to see if it's or smiling it or you're not or whatever it is. And, and I can't see it. And, and so it was a worse way to work. Now, along with that, as individuals, as actors, or as, as human beings, we're also going through the thing that the rest of the world is going through. So, so I had family members, uh, 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 die from, from what was going on, you know, and, and, and not just family. I have a huge family. My God, I have 10,000 cousins. Um, and so, you know, several family members. And, and, and so that's affecting you because it's affecting you as a human being. Um, the, the weird thing is that that other thing gave me kind of a, 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 another place to be. And so while COVID was affecting the rest of the world, when I would get into work, that was, although while I still had the remnants of COVID, it was at least this other world that was taking my mind away from the daily, daily stuff about a funeral to go to or some other kind of sad announcement kind of thing. Um, and so I started doing, I started singing and, uh, and did a YouTube thing. And some of it was for the audience, but a lot of it was for me because I was also going a little, 
not so because just the whole thing is just crazy. If I don't rem bad remember, you were doing recipes online. If you're I was cooking zucchini. I'm cooking. I'm still cooking. I just made zucchini today. I made chocolate chip zucchini. <laughs> But yes, I was doing all of that because you know what I think it was is um, I was missing the connection. You know, that live, especially for actors, because like I said, we work with, with someone else. And so you get this live connection every day. And, and no, with COVID, we, we, we didn't get that. And so all of that turmoil, uh, and you try and stir it all together and, 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 and make a life out, out of it. And you start to see how some individuals can lose their footing, can lose their journey. Can lose the idea of who it is that I am and where it is that I'm going. Um, you were so you were mentioning before on off camera before we started that now uh, the majority of the studios you send in the tape, you send the film, or mm -hmm. you're not doing it on live like before. Right? Yeah, no. So beforehand, there would even be times where you you would whenever you audition would go in to see the casting director or and the producer or the writer or the studio execs. And sometimes even you would even go just audition for the casting director as a, they would call it a meet and greet so that they would get to know you. You would get to know them. You're fresh in their head and some part comes up and they might call you. Um, all of that was face to face. All of that was in person and in terms of commercials as well. Um, but now it's all taped. Uh, I, the last, in-person audition I went to was a year and a half ago. I think it was in February of 2020 almost. So, yeah. And and I think it's going to stay that way. I'm actually, now if you guys see behind me, I'm in my, I'm in my back room, at, which we've turned into a, a studio. So I got lights, I got a camera, you know, I got a backdrop over there, a little blue thing that I pulled across the thing. Um, And what you do is they will send you the words and, you know, I turn on the camera and, and my wife reads the other, the other side, the dialogue. And then I read one side and then we go on the computer. We, we use a thing called we transfer, we put it all together and we send it in and then they'll, they'll call and, and say, you got the part or you didn't get the part, which is crazy because much, much harder for young actors because it's so much easier to get the part get the script and go in they have the camera they have somebody else to read with you there's the space already all i got to do is drive to the place now i need a space to film i need a camera i need somebody to read with me i need a computer to put it all together with to send it into the place so it's a lot harder in that way than it was before when we used to audition face to face But it would not be easier, like people, like let's say people that live here in the valley that we're pretty far away from Los mm -hmm. Angeles, that uh, there are actors that they just can do the casting like that and just send it. Yes, and there are, yeah, and there is an there are apps that are just coming out now that are allowing you to do it on your on your iPhone, and so you they and you probably already know about this they have these round lights and you put them on the thing and the light and then with the app you put the scene together and you send that all that stuff off now the upside to it as well though is you see it 
you 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 record it right, and then you can look at it and go, oh, that's not too good. Uh, let's do it again. So, and you can do it as many times as you want, as long as you get it done by the time you're going to send it in. So that's a big upside. That's a really big upside. And then as well, not just in terms of a specific part, but it's always a good idea to look at yourself and and be um, uh, uh, objectionable about what it is, not objectionable, objective about what it is you're looking at and how is it best. For example, I'll give you a quick example. If I'm doing a scene... And all you're seeing is this, then that scene is not going to be very effective. Because what's going to happen is all you're seeing is me blinking. But I don't know I'm blinking until I see myself on video. Then I go, oh, I was blinking way too much. What am I doing? I just got to look at the person in the eye instead of blink, 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 blink. That's so much more powerful to just look at somebody than to be going like this and like this and like this. Right. And so that's that's a real quick example. You turn on the thing, you do the audition, and you look at yourself in an objective way and go, oh, I, I'm, I'm blinking way too much. Or why am I looking that way when I said that? Man, I should be looking right at the person. That's a strong line, right? And so you kind of sort of direct yourself. So that's the big, big upside um, to taping um, auditions and taping yourself, period. Um, I would suggest um, you do that if you, if you haven't. I, I have another question that uh, someone the other day we were, we were talking about ghosts and I wanted to, I believe you're the best one because you're being typecast and we'll just talk about that. And mm -hmm. do you think the politics, how the country went, it did affect the jobs in the acting gigs for films and for Latinos? Uh, I don't think so. In terms of Trump, you mean? Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, as a matter of fact, I think Hollywood leans the other way. I think all of arts leans the other way. I think arts leans liberal rather than conservative. Uh, and, and, and actually, I think in a weird way, um, um, Trump is, um, um, moving us forward and, especially those that have something to say, um, it might be a good thing that this particular individual appeared at this particular time because now you have, no, you know, he, he's, he's, he, he, he pushes people to have opinions. He pushes people that I don't agree with him at all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not behind him at all, period. But what I'm saying is that when you have something that's, in my opinion, evil like that, then you have people want to stand up and be good to, 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 to fight against it. And so in that way, I think that it was a good thing. It didn't, I don't think it affected the casting, not in, as far as I'm concerned. And Hollywood, like I said, leans, always leans left. Um, um, and a lot of times, uh, there were projects that were done specifically to counteract, uh, the his movement um and so no i i i i, I that's the, that's not to say that hollywood is like we're going to cast everybody that doesn't happen hollywood's got its biases and hollywood's got its stereotypes and hollywood has its typecasting 
Now, it's still possible for a Latino or a black person or a European person or a Japanese person or a woman or a whatever to make a living in Hollywood. But you do have to understand that it's not equal yet. And I don't know that it will ever be equal. Um, um, but you, you, you can work. You, you will work. And a lot, sometimes what I'll, what I'll tell young kids is, if 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 they can't typecast you, if they can't stereotype you, you're not going to get cast because they don't know where to put you. And and the the biggest gatekeeper in Hollywood are the casting directors because it's the casting director that calls you in. The producer will tell the casting director, "I need these five people," and the casting director will look at their casting thing and they'll call you know the thirty people that they know could probably play these five parts. Right? Well, that's the casting director. So who is the casting director calling? And when these parts say all ethnicities or white only, right? That's the gatekeeper. If the producer doesn't know that there's a great freaking Latino out there or a black man or woman who could do this one particular part, he's not seeing her because they're not being called in because the casting director is not calling them in, right? So the casting director is the true gatekeeper in Hollywood. And so then... Okay, I understand. It's a movie that's a, that's about a Latino thing. It's 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 La Bamba. Okay, right. So Latinos are going to get cast. But let's say it's a movie about equal rights, or let's say it's a movie about education, or let's say it's a movie about football. There's plenty of black people and Latinos and Asians that, that play football, and so there should be a certain percentage of people in that movie so that we can reflect society as it is. But there usually isn't. There isn't. And so. You know, we'll keep butting our heads up against this wall, right? Uh, what the answer to that is, hopefully, there will be enough of us that get into a position where we can do our own stuff. And there are people like that. You know, there's, 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 Edward Jesus almost was certainly one of the first ones to do that. But, uh, there's even, uh, I even saw, uh, um, oh my God, she's got a, she's got a new show on Netflix, Selena Gomez. He's got a show on Netflix with uh, with Steve Martin and with uh, uh, oh the other guy from Three Amigos, Martin Short. Yeah, and so and you have these people that are doing that, and you have Latinos that are that are moving forward. Uh, maybe not necessarily doing Latino show. It's this idea that a Latino in Hollywood, anyway that a Latino face can carry a whole show, can sell a whole show. In other words, people are going to tune in just to watch George Lopez, or people are going to tune in just to watch Isai Morales. People are going to tune in to watch Jimmy Smiths, right? And so those are the people that get those opportunities. The more we have there, the more opportunities we're going to have. Hopefully, the more Latino shows, the more Latino actors, the better training we get, the more experience we get. Therefore, we can have a bigger uh, representation, but whether it's ever going to be fair, it's a business. So how do you, how do you, how can you dictate to a business, a private business, what they should be doing? I I understand. I I do hate it in that part. I being typecast in in mm -hmm. as a painter, um, in Taos, I was not brown enough to be Mexican, so <laughs> I was not mm -hmm. as, even mm -hmm. after he asked for my work in there. And when they saw me, 
they choose the work and everything. And I took it. And when mm-hmm. they saw me, it's like, oh, you're not Mexican. Yes, I am. And they said, well, you're not brown enough and go back with your work. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, and it feels horrible, you know, <laughs> after driving a thousand miles with your pain. Oh, yeah. And it, it is, it is horrible, you know, being typecast. But apparently in the movie industry, you want to be typecast. Well, you, you certainly want to work, right? And, and, and so if they can't, if they, if you don't look like a gang member or you don't look like a this, you don't look like a that, you're not brown enough, you're not tall enough, you're not short enough, your mustache is not big enough, your ears are too big, your hair is not blonde enough, whatever, whatever it is, this is an actor, this is me, right? At least as a, as a painter or as a novelist, Oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't like the words you wrote, right? Or I don't like the painting you painted. Well, no problem. I'll paint just another one, or I'll write you something else. But as an actor, it's like I don't like you. Well, there's not much I can do about that, right? Because I'm me, right? I can't unzip me and hey, I'm somebody else now. Uh, but again, that's one of the. That's where your ego will protect you. That's where your ego will go. You know what? That's fine. This, that and, and and not just your ego, but at the very beginning, it's your ignorance. It's how little you know sometimes it's protecting you. Because if you knew how hard the journey was gonna be at the beginning, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might not have taken it. You know, <laughs> but you were so in love with what you were doing and didn't know enough about it that you jumped, right? It, 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 Regardless of how I'm going to land, who cares? I'm going to jump because I, I, I love it so much, right? And sometimes that, that also protects us, that, that innocence. Um, and so it, it, the, the, the main thing that I always say is, look, what is it that you're feeling in your heart? Where Do you feel creative? Do you, do, do you feel like you want to say something or do you just want to be famous and make money? If it's that, go do something. Go there are other ways. Go be an influencer on the internet. There's so much easier ways. Go be a Kardashian. They don't do anything for a living. They're who they are for a living, right? Go try and be that if that's what you want to be. Because if you're trying to be this, it's going to cost you your life. And if it's not important enough to you to devote your whole life to it, then don't. Go be, go be happy. Go make money. Go sell donuts for a living. At least you'll have donuts in the morning, right? <laughs> yes. Donuts <laughs> in the morning. What projects? Uh, do you have any projects coming up soon? I, I have. Well, I was in this, this thing that I was telling you about earlier, uh, 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 a new show that's a reboot that's called The Garcias. Now, I play... Um, I'm going to be in one of their episodes. Um, I had... Um, the Jamie Foxx show, but it got canceled. And so, you know, that's how it goes. Um, I have a couple of scripts that I've written and one that's being considered and one that we want to try in a movie that we did actually back in 2010 that we want to move to, uh, to a series. Um, and hopefully we can, we're going to be able to pitch that. Um, it's the scavengers script that we had that, uh, we've retained, we've, the rights have retained back to us. And so now we're going to, uh, We've already done it. Actually, we've already written out, written it out. Uh, David Rice has already written it out, and so we're doing that. And then, um, and then auditioning, just still, still going out for auditions and trying to. Uh, and I have a fourteen-year-old, so that's you know that's a whole, my whole other life of, of dad. 
Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. You know, I, I keep trying to, I mean, I was at the Broad the other day and, uh, and then, uh, I want to go see the Van Gogh that's, that's going to be at, at, at LACMA, uh, the, the muse, big museum in LA. Um, but I'm always going to museums and I'm always going to, and hopefully I'll be back with the Latino lab as well. Um, and that'll probably be a one year commitment. Um, they have a project, but this whole COVID thing really messed everything up across the board. <clears throat> we were going to do a, a stand-up concert. We were going to do a whole other thing, and 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 then on top of that as well, not just the fact that okay, well now you're not working and you're not getting money. Not just that, but then the emotional stability of you're not seeing your friends anymore, and now I think I'm going crazy, and you know, or whatever it is, you know. Um, that as well. I mean, I think it truly teaches us that that, that that we're social creatures and we really do need each other. We, we yeah, that's that's why I away from it. Dedicating more myself and after COVID, uh, life coaching, mm-hmm. uh, NLP uh, certifications. I got a bunch, of, and I start working helping people because yeah. I saw that coming. I, I I saw that coming, and I start working with people to this day. It's yes, tough. it really it's, is. But I believe it is important to mental health. Oh sure, and as and uh, people needs help right now. Yeah, yeah, we do, and 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 hopefully, what's going to happen is we're going to the whole. You know, we also here's the other thing that that very strong in our in the industry as well, and for us, and for you and I as well, is the the whole internet thing. You did not, you and I didn't grow up with the internet. We, you know, we we were 25, 30 by the time we really figured out what the heck was coming on. And then now, okay, now we're here and now we're Zooming with each other. Before but Google. The, but the <laughs> kids that are born now or the kids that were born in like 2010 or 2000 that have grown up completely with the internet, that's a whole nother life yeah. that, that you and I don't understand. We grew up with trees and birds and stuff, you know, and they're growing up with this screen. And then especially last year, where we, they couldn't go to school, and now they had to be on the screen eight hours a day. And some of them were on the screen 12 hours a day. And so that's one of those things like the meteorite that hit the earth that killed the dinosaurs. You know, it's one of those big changing, big time changing events. Now you're going to show a kid. And I remember reading a story about somebody showed a child a corn, but with the husk on it. Not the, not the corn, not the cob. The, and the kid didn't know what it was because they only knew corn, you know, peeled, peeled corn. That's the only way they knew it. And so I'm wondering if we're moving to towards that place where, you know, you show a kid a picture of a tree and they're going to go, I don't know what that tree is. I don't know. You know, and you, but you show a picture of a fire hydrant on a, you know, on a game or something. Like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. But I think that that as artists. Our job is to make sure we don't lose that connection with with that real world. Um, like I always mentioned, artists, we are uh, storytellers of our mm-hmm. time because that's what we create. That's what we mm-hmm. paint or sing or dance or whatever. And, and we're telling the story where we are living right now. And what I did with my 14-year-old that I have here that you met her over there, mm-hmm. I started... My, I don't have a big garden, but it's like, you know what? We're going to start planting uh, vegetables. Mm-hmm. You're going to come in with me and you're going to take weeds out and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Of course, it's not even enough where we can feed ourselves. 
one carrot is not going to cut it, <laughs> all the family, right? But the experience of getting dirty the hands and understanding where the carrot come from, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what I believe that and this, it is important. Yeah. And it's mental health. And it's the hands. Yes. And it's really magical, too. It really is magical that you take, look, you take something this big, little seed, a little bitty seed, this little thing, and you put it in dirt, and you cover, you fertilize it a little bit, and you put a little water on it, and three months later, you got tomatoes. That's an amazing, mind-blowing thing to 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 see how that goes. And if you take care of that plant, you can easily apply all of those lessons you just learned to your life. And that's easily, easily the, 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 one of the best things that I found about, because we have a garden too. And that's one of the reasons you see me making zucchini bread all the time, because we have a lot of zucchini. There's zucchinis and tomatoes and basil. And so I make pesto and all that kind of stuff. But the idea of, because that's all, that's creating. Now, you're not necessarily an artist, but you are a craftsman and you are taking care of a plant and you are giving, showing love because you're going to water it every day and you're going to make sure it doesn't die from too much heat and you're going to make sure you fertilize it and you're, 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 you're being careful. You're being kind to the plant, right? And so in that way, being a gardener can show you, and certainly now with what we have in terms of climate change and the weather being all crazy and now we have to realize what it is that we're doing to the earth and where it is that we're getting all these things and how it is that we need to change to have to live in the world that we want to live in a, in, a, in a kind uh, uh, helping um, uh, world that is that everybody has enough everybody doesn't have to be rich but everybody should have enough at least yes. you know water and food um, yes, a place to stay for sure. And so I don't know, I don't know these 20 years and, uh, and, and what's going on in Afghanistan and what's going on in China and what's going on. But what I do know is that the toughest times in history have produced some of the best art we've ever had. Yeah. And so, um, perhaps we need to be in dire situations in order for us to look far enough inside ourselves and voice and be courageous enough to voice those things and and put them on on paper or on a canvas or in a song or in a dance mm-hmm. uh, and so and that's what uh, excites me about what I see is I see a lot of people who are taking to the streets who are saying you know this isn't fair who are writing novels, who are doing movies, who are writing plays, who are are painting, who are doing all kinds of stuff to stand up for what it is that they believe in. And that's a great thing. I think that that's a great thing. Um, And that's who we are. That's what we are. And as long as we have that, I I think our boat's going to sail. I don't think we're going to sink yet. I think when we lose that, I think that that's when we start sinking. Not if we don't forget the humanity to be have compassion and love for ourselves and for others. Mm-hmm. That's how we can make this world a better world. And we don't lose that. Yeah, if we lose that. We lose everything. Yes, I I completely agree with you. 
Um, uh, but I think that that's where we, and that's why I think we need art. We need it because it shows us who we are. It connects us with those places. It will, it will, it's the thoughts that everybody already has in their heads and, 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 and people aren't quite have the energy to, to, to put them on painting, to, to put it on a painting or to, or to write the words. And when these other people come and do that, it speaks to everyone. And that's when everybody goes, Oh, okay. I was afraid I was the only one thinking that, but now I see that, that most of us think that or that most of us feel that way. So now I feel secure. I feel validated, like you were saying earlier. Um, and that's one of the other things that I do when I go talk to, uh, students or, or, or individuals who want to, who want to move towards what it is that I do. I say, look, you can do it. It is possible. It is there. Now, if you're going to judge your success by how much money you make or how many awards you win, I don't know how you're going to get there, right? But if you're going to judge your life by how dedicated I was to what it is that I did and how much I did the things that I needed to do to move that forward, whether it's painting, how much did I paint? Was I, was I trying to be a writer? How much did you write? Right? I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't write a damn thing all day. Well, then you really didn't want to be a writer. Right? And so if you judge your success by how dedicated you are, which is the way I choose to judge my success to what it is that you're doing, then, um, you're gonna, you're gonna live a life where you're gonna meet exceptional people with live minds and live souls and the thoughts that they're going to put in your head uh, are going to be amazing. It's it just as amazing. And not only that. Back and forth, back and forth. Very excited. Not only that, learning from your own mistakes. That's mm -hmm. what it makes you If you observe your mistakes as, oh my God, I will not be an actor because I did so many mistakes. No, learn from those mistakes and make you uh, be a better person, a better actor, a better human being. Yes. I fail every day. I tell them as with that as well. Every single day I fail. I have failed much more than I've succeeded. Much, much more. I'm probably at about 85 to 15. I failed 85% of the time and succeeded 15% of the time. But, at the same but like time, you're saying, it's learning from those failures. And that's the fact that I could be successful 15% is because I learned from that 85% where I didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. What am I doing wrong or what can I do better? Right. And, and, and that's the life of an actor. If you're working 15% of the time, you're doing really, really well. The numbers are terrible, 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 terrible in terms of acting. So like 15% of the actors make uh, more than $25,000 a year, 15 in Los Angeles. And that's not enough. That's not even enough money to survive in LA 25 a year. And that's only 15%. The other 85% are not even making that much. And those are people with their union cards. Those are people who are, you know, can actually you know, call themselves actors. I have my union card. And so that's, uh, that's a fool's errand. You've got to be a fool to want to be an actor. But, um, you know, I, at the very beginning, I, I, I thought I can, I know I'm not, like I said, I'm no, I'm not going to be dirt poor that way I was before. I know I'm going to be able to make some kind of living for myself because I have a college degree. So I will make some kind of living for myself. Now the question is, um, do I want to be happy? Because I know I'm going to be able to make a living. It's not going to be, a, it probably won't be a great living, right? 
but do I want to be happy? And so if I want to be happy, then I want to try and choose something that, that, that I'm going to truly enjoy doing the rest of my life. And hopefully it's going to be something you can do your whole life. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to find, to find that it was acting. Um, people, they pass their lives and they don't even know what they really like. I'm talking even the lawyers or doctors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Really no, I agree with you. But that I, I think the doctor, she quit. <laughs> yeah. like how many years of study and so forth open uh, already clients and she just quit yeah it's <laughs> tough it's tough because you know I think those people are they have decided something or perhaps they didn't decide perhaps somebody else decided for them and then they thought okay well that's a good idea I didn't know what I wanted to do and you suggested something and okay I'll go that way because it seems like a good idea but it wasn't something that they truly decided in their heart And then they get to a certain point and they're like, okay, uh, I don't really want to do this. And there's a lot of actors that are like that. I, I have at least two, three friends. Two of them used to be lawyers and one of them used to be not a doctor, but a paramedic. And they, they quit that life and, and came to LA to be actors. And so that's the other upside is you can start doing it at, when at any age, it doesn't matter. You can, success can come to you or the, the inspiration can come to you, uh, at any age. Now, there are certain people who are born with certain skill. There's some people who are born pitch perfect, who can, who know how to hit a particular note, you know, without having to, to hear it, right? And there's some people who are born, uh, being able to, uh, remember every single thing they ever read, right? So there are certain people who are born with certain talents. Some people are more charismatic than others. Some people see color better than others or see combination of color better than others, right? Some people are born colorblind, right? So th there are specific talents that someone can be born with. However, for acting, I believe you can learn it. You could easily learn it. Easily, easily learn it. Now, arts, if you really want to do it, you can mm -hmm. learn. You can learn yeah. your heart is in there. Yeah. If it's not in there, it's going to be tough and horrible and you're going to suffer every time you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say you got to really want to do it because there is never a guarantee and probably actually the only guarantee is you're going to suffer. That's just how it is, you know? And so the question is, do you want to do the thing uh, uh, enough so that you will put yourself through this thing? And while somebody else might look at you and go, man, you're suffering, you might be there going, oh, this is the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. I want more. I want more. I want more. I've been, I've been uh, dying to do what it is that I'm trying to do. Well, uh, Valente, do you have something else to close down the, the program? I, yeah, you know, I, the, I, what I wanted to say, one of the things I wanted to say that I was, that I want to make sure to say is um, a lot of times the familiar to us, we, we don't value the familiar a lot because we think uh, that it's not valuable because we see it every day in our, in our life and, and we don't, we perhaps throw it away or, or, or look the other way or, or, or value the other more. We, we want to, go with the trend or buy the big iPhone or do whatever when 
sometimes perhaps the best thing to do is to look at our own life and look inward and value what it is that we have, value those things that we have that are completely unique because there's nobody else in the world that's exactly like you. No one else in the whole wide world. So you're completely, completely unique. And if you want to do good work, what I always say is look for truth and look for honesty. And especially in acting. If you're ever confused about reading, you know, you're reading a scene and you don't know what the scene is about or you can't seem to get it. The, the, the things you have to ask yourself is, what is the truth here? And how can I be the most honest in relating this to the audience? And I find that that's a really good piece of advice for almost all artists. Look for truth. And then how is the most best honest way you can express that? And then understand that the thing that's inside you is more valuable than anything else outside of you. Because the thing that's inside you is the thing that's going to feed your creative. The outside world will feed you too, but not nearly as much as the inside world, right? So treat yourself like you're important, like you're special, and value yourself. And don't disregard your ideas. Jump on your ideas and, and play with your ideas and keep going and keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm from a little bitty town in South Texas, and I didn't speak English. I spoke Spanish when I started. And uh, I grew up without an outhouse and uh, with an outhouse and I grew up without a telephone, dirt poor where there were 10 of us and we were making maybe $8,000 a year. I'm from the worst place in the United States anyway, that you would think this person is going to be successful at, at that. And yet here I am. All right. So don't let anybody, don't build your own walls, let other people you know, say you can't do it, but you don't, don't stand in front of yourself, I guess is the short way of saying all of this thing I just said. Don't stand in front of yourself. Value yourself. Be good to yourself and, and, and believe in yourself. Um, and then create, do. If you say you want to be, then be, go be. You want to paint, paint. You want to sing, sing. You want to write, write. You want to act, act. Go do. And if you don't do those things, that's you. That's your consciousness telling you, your subconsciousness telling you, you really don't want to be this, which is fine, which is fine. Go, you know, go find it. Go find it. I love those words. Yes. <laughs> Tell yourself with anyone and be original. <laughs> yes. Thank you be so original. Thank you so much, Valente, for those kind words. And I hope it helps everybody. And thank you for our... our the people listening to us and hearing us and seeing us, I'm sorry. And I, I will appreciate your presence and for the people that are going to see it in the future too. And uh, I'm just going to make an announcement for the next, for tomorrow. Tomorrow mm -hmm. in Soul Talk, we have Cassandra Kumara. She is a galactic light language uh, shaman and well blueprint keeper in frequency holder. And the next week we have uh, in the Heart of the Artist podcast, We have an artist from Los Angeles that I met over there. His art is amazing. Mm -hmm. He is a visual artist, and his art is really amazing. And we're going to have him in the next uh, the next week in the Heart of the Artist podcast. And I am starting a new mini class that is going to be free for three days. It's in my birthday. It started in October 27, 28, and 29th at 6 p.m. Central Time. 
And remember, guys, that this podcast survived uh, for your donations. And thank you for the donations that the people have already uh, supported me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Valente. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation for this podcast. And hopefully later on we repeat it. Maybe one of your recipes of... Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Yes, we will. We will. Next time we can cook if you want. Next time we cook, I love cooking. Thank you, Monica. It was beautiful being here. And I do want to be back. So let's make it. Let's do it. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.